the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 570 for Sunday, September 13th, 2015. And welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in the questions. We provide the answers, kind of like car talk for Apple geeks. The goal is for you to learn something new each and every week we get together. In fact, it's not just you, it's us too. We like to learn as well. Sponsors for this episode include Gazelle at Gazelle.com. You got it. You ordered a new iPhone. You want to get money back for your old one. That's how it works. We'll talk more about that in the show. Uh, Casper at Casper.com slash MGG. You want to get a good night's sleep after getting up late to uh, or staying up late to order your iPhone? Casper's the place to do it. And then, of course, Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com. You want to get a new case for your iPhone? You want to get a new hard drive for your Mac? That's the place to do that. We'll talk more about that during the show here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Risty Hamilton. <laughs> and here in fearful connecticut john f braun how you doing mr f braun <sighs> fantastic outstanding lantastic i like to say crazy yeah. week this week we had uh the apple announcement we had iphone orders and we had all kinds of questions come in uh about everything not just that stuff so we'll i'm sure we'll talk about all of it here today that's good stuff oh. Yeah, I'd like the uh, the iPhone order train wreck. That was that was kind of fun. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that because it wasn't really a train wreck. It actually worked just. It worked exactly as it has in the past. Three oh one Eastern, three oh one a.m. Eastern came around on Saturday morning, and by about three oh three, I had my iPhone ordered. As did anyone else that knows that ordering in the iOS app is always faster than ordering on the web because the website never comes around in time this year. There was even more problems with the website leading up to this. Isn't that right? Yeah. I noticed this along with, uh, with many others is, uh, when you went to anything on apple.com, uh, you got what I've seen is pretty much a generic web server error message saying I'm, I'm broken. Yeah, it looked to it looked to be an issue with their their Akamai configuration. They they use a, a CDN, similar right, similar to CacheFly for us, uh, where what we take is you know this file that you've gotten will uh, have been uploaded by by us here to to one server at CacheFly, and then it spreads it out to like I don't know they've got like thirty or forty nodes all over the world, so that the the files that you request are the ones that are closest to you. And it, you know, it saves on a lot of things, including latency and 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 getting you this, the data as fast as possible. Apple uses a different company; they call it Akamai, uh, that does the same thing. It's a CDN, a content delivery network. And what it what what the speculation was, right? That that they uploaded a malformed configuration file, and the problem is, it takes forty five minutes to propagate. And if you notice you've made a mistake, you have to figure out what the mistake is fix the mistake, upload the new file and wait 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's not that cool. <laughs> and then there were people speculating that Apple's DNS had gotten hacked, but that turned out not to be the case. Right. I don't know if you, you saw this. I saw some is, of it. Yeah. That wasn't, 
Well, the thing is, if you do a who is, uh, which is a, a utility you can access from the terminal, um, it would give you all these uh, interesting snarky variations on Apple.com. But as it turns out, no one hacked the DNS. What, what happens is that you can inject quite easily uh, uh, bogus who is entries uh, for a certain domain. And then they have, as far as I can tell, no effect on you getting to the site. But That's pe- right. People quickly determined that was not the case. Yeah, well, I think yeah, it was I mean, what if, you said. If somebody, if somebody, like there's, there's, um, you know, there's a, uh, who is entry that reads apple.com hacked by japtron.es really what that is is someone went and registered a .es domain that is apple.com hacked by japtron right and then that domain shows up when you search who is for apple.com because it finds everything that begins with apple.com not just the one domain apple.com so yeah it's you, you'll, you'll find it from microsoft and all those others too it's not it's nothing new and it was just people freaking out when they couldn't get to Apple's website. Well, we can. So, uh, so everybody was able to order theirs. Um, I'm going to hold off for a bit here because I'm still on contract. Although my guess is that you could get, I mean, you're, you're on a Verizon, actually an actual Verizon contract. My guess is that they would happily convert you to, um, a, a payment plan customer because they know that T-Mobile and, and Sprint, I believe, still will buy you out of your Verizon contract and they don't want that to happen. Um, I'm uh, well, you know, it's funny because when I went to the Verizon site, it actually said, oh, you're eligible for an early upgrade. And I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. So I started going through the motions of ordering the new phone. Because also the uh, app, uh, Verizon has offered a new plan uh, right now on one of their their older plans, which actually... I think I'll go with the new plan because it gives you, uh, in certain cases, unlimited, uh, you know, voice and text and, and yeah. And most data most plans these days, it's the data that you pay for, and the text and voice are unlimited. That's right. All right, that that's going to be the new plan. Yeah. Um, but then also Verizon reportedly, and so I think I'm going to go with them. Although I had an unpleasant experience trading in my iPhone four, and that they bungled it because I think they outsourced it to someone, and they were. Denying people refunds, saying uh, your phone's broken when it when it clearly wasn't. But this time around, they're going to offer me, and I think I may go for it because I don't think anybody can match this. Uh, for a five S in good condition, they allegedly will offer me three hundred Verizon bucks. That's a pretty good deal, man. That's the best deal I've seen. I mean, yeah, I got to spend it on Verizon stuff, but I'm going to do that anyway. Right, so. right, yeah. That's yeah. That's smart for them to to do that. Fun stuff. So yeah, I stuck I stuck with the uh, with the plus size. Uh, so I am, I am with a six S plus, and when you're going to go plus size, you might as well go all the way. So I went with a 128 gig, uh, model there because it, it future proofs me, right? I know that this phone's going to be likely handed down through the ranks of the family, assuming other people in my family like the plus size. Otherwise it, the 128 gigs gets me a higher resale and that's, that's fine by me too. But, um, you know, I went through this morning, John, uh, getting a new phone and, and also kind of combining this with uh, the fact that I've got several international trips next year. We're going Lisa and I are going to, uh, of, of course, this will this will come as no surprise to anyone. Fish, one of our favorite bands that we like to go and travel around and see, uh, is doing a three night stint in the uh, Mexican Riviera Maya. So uh, we'll be staying in, you know, some, they're, they're playing at some resort down there, which is perfect for us. It's like fish camp for parents, but uh, that'll put me out of the country, obviously. 
And then next summer, we're planning a, a family uh, European vacation. We're going to rival the Griswolds. We're, we're looking to uh, to topple them. But uh, so we're going to go to uh, London, Rome and Paris, I believe, is, is the three cities. The Rome thing is sort of up for question. It might be a different city in Italy or possibly Barcelona. I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm going to be in th- at least three different countries uh, other than the U.S. And so I wanted unlocked phones. Now, when I bought my 6S Plus, I did not buy it through Apple's iPhone upgrade program because I didn't want to have to go to the store and pick it up. And I'm also not convinced that Apple Care Plus is right for me uh, with all the phones that we have and the very small number of repairs that we have had over all of those phones. We've always got four active phones going. Uh, it's actually cheaper for me to simply pay for repairs than it is to pay for Apple Care Plus on every phone plus, you know, whatever the repair uh, in- per incident fee is, which now is 99 bucks on the new phones. So I did not go with the with the iPhone upgrade program. And because of that, uh, I, I stuck with AT&T next. But that means that my phone will come locked to AT&T, just like my iPhone um, 6 Plus is. But I went this morning just to see, and I went to ATT.com slash device unlock, and I put in my IMEI number and my phone number and you know some other pertinent details about my account, and you get an email from them. Then technically the ATT Next uh, plan, any phone that's under an ATT Next payment plan is not eligible to be unlocked by ATT until you've finished your payment plan. So I have Actually, technically nine more months on this. I have not yet paid my 12th month because no one would have on a on a six plus that that happens on September 20th. So I've got nine more payments to go on this, but I figured I'll try it. So I plugged in the IMEI and all that stuff. And you get an email that says, click here to confirm that this was actually you. So I did that. And maybe a minute later, I got an email from AT&T saying, congratulations, your phone is eligible to be unlocked. And then to do that, you go through and actually... Uh, uh, restore you back up and restore your phone. And through that process, iTunes actually unlocks your phone. So I'm curious to see if that actually worked, but based on my past experience, uh, I'm fairly certain that it did. So I slipped through the radar on the uh, iPhone unlocking. I have no intention of, of shirking my AT&T uh, financial responsibilities because it's a loan like anything else. I don't see why they care if my phone remains locked to them under the term of my payments or not. It's irrelevant. But uh, and maybe that's why they don't care either. But uh, but they were happy to unlock it or didn't pay enough attention and unlocked it. So, yeah, I did it with all of our phones. So I'm going to, of course, try to do that with my 6S Plus. And if I can't, um, I probably will just pay it off before we go and and unlock it there, which is which is fine. One interesting thing, though, we've been and I want I want people's opinions. Actually, go ahead. And then I have a question about about, I'm going to pose an idea. Go ahead. Well, you bring up an important point because when I purchased or when I went on a two-year contract, the Verizon, the, the 5S that I have came unlocked. Now, what do we mean by that, actually, for people that don't know? Unlocked means that you are not tied to a particular carrier in that you can put in a SIM from another carrier and, and use their voice or data services. A locked phone, you're tied to them. And, and it, now I'm wondering now, because if, you know, they kind of change the rules now, unless I buy the phone outright or agree to another contract, it sounds like my next Verizon phone may be locked. I'll have to research that. No, I believe Verizon, and this is just a, a technical um, 
the, the result of the way the technology works, I believe any iPhone that you get now from Verizon comes unlocked the, the six and later. Yeah. So I, and I, maybe even the five and later. So I think, I think you're in okay shape on that front, but, um, but you know, you can, you can find out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way Verizon works. But um, so here's what we were thinking is, Heading to Europe, we're definitely going to want a data connection. Uh, you know, no question about it. You know, we're, we're doing this touring basically on our own. We're not we're not going with a tour group or anything. So we're going to want the ability to get online wherever we are, not just at the apartments that we're staying. We want to you know be able to, to get online with with cellular data. So there's no question we're going to buy some sort of data plan. And we were talking about it yesterday and we had a couple of ideas. One of them, of course, is to just buy, you know, traveling sims for all of our phones. But that could probably be the most expensive way to get four phones online with data connections while in Europe. Another way that we thought of was to simply buy a lot of gobs of data for one phone and uh, and and then use, you know, turn on the mobile hotspot feature and let the other three phones connect to it. Uh, so that's that was a, that was an interesting thought. That was actually my wife's idea. And then the other idea that sort of came out of that was to get a separate mobile hotspot that all four phones would connect to while we're traveling. We don't really need voice communication. We don't need to get calls while we're there. But having data and the ability to like text would be more than enough for uh, for our trip. So. So, well, I'm, I'm curious as to your thoughts. I see I see some folks uh, in the chat room already. And of course, yeah, you know, the first thing I thought of actually was this company called GigSky. That allows you to just top up in any country that you're in with your SIM card. So I've got to check them out, too, because uh, because I've always liked what they do. So we'll we'll check that out, too. So lots of fun, fun, fun stuff. I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it fun. Oh, it, but this, <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, we had quite a few things from last show, and I figured we would start by going through and, uh, and, and doing some follow-ups. We had one fantastic response. We had many responses to our, our tangential discussion about names and pronunciations, and this was my favorite. I think our favorite, in fact. John and Dave, this is Guy from the MyMac.com podcast and I am weighing in on the controversy over the naming convention for OS 10 10.11. You are both wrong. It is not El Capitan. It is not El Capitan or Capitan or whatever. It actually is Spanish Starfleet Captain, or as I like to call it, El Captain Kirk, this should settle this controversy once and for all. Thank you. Well, you are uh, you are thanked, guy. I, uh, I I don't even know where to what, what to say about that, John. <laughs> Thanks, guy. That's awesome. Me, I uh, uh, all I can say is uh, uh, I I prefer Picard myself. <laughs> We're talking captains. Yeah, yeah. I actually do too. Picard was my, my favorite of the bunch, without question. I but, like Janeway, too. She was good. Boy, did she, 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 uh, she, she really beat up on the board. That, that's what I liked about mm-hmm. that, that series. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Well, uh, I'm not sure that that was the best way to start a show tangentially, but, uh, but these are the decisions we make. So, you know, 
we'll we'll uh, we'll live with them. Moving on to Lucas, who yeah. Uh, who writes in, he says, I just stumbled on this by accident. Maybe it was featured in an Apple keynote, but I didn't get the memo. When composing a message in mail on iOS, you can pull down on the header to minimize the message. It looks like you can do that with multiple message composition windows, somewhat mimicking Safari tabs. And uh, and he's absolutely right. Yeah, it's uh, it's outstanding. So it's, it's one of those features that, you know, if you're typing a message and you forget and you want to go and check something out, you can go and check something out. Uh, in mail and then bring it back up. So thank you for the, uh, thank you for the reminder, Lucas. That's uh, very much appreciated. Time to move on to any thoughts on that, John, or should we, uh, should we just blast through these tips here? Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'll have to try it. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about some of my favorite features in iOS nine shortly, but let's get through these tips um, because iOS nine is coming this week, folks. So, uh, so moving on to Jeff, Jeff says, I have had a major problem with the new Photos app and found a solution today. I thought I'd share for others in my shoes. When you take burst photos on the iPhone and they get uploaded to iCloud, they all show up in the Mac Photos app. It is then is seem it then is seemingly impossible impossible to delete the unwanted photos from the burst group. Solution is after you selected your favorite photos from the burst, go in the Photos app, look in the sidebar. Uh, If not there, click the view menu and show sidebar. Then click on the group bursts here. And there's the trick. Right click on a set of photos and choose delete one burst. A dialog box will appear and it says delete from all devices. Keep X favorites and delete Y photos from one burst. If you click the delete button, the extras, i.e. your non favorites will be deleted and the favorites will be saved. Jeff, thank you so much for that. This is outstanding. Are you a, uh, you are, you're not a burst photo guy yet. Are you John? Well, no, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually getting kind of, uh, I'm, I'm looking through my phone right now. I'm actually, I actually get annoyed with that feature because on occasion, if I'm taking a picture with my iPhone, I'll hold down the button a little too long. And then I start seeing this number rapidly incrementing, yeah. which means, Oh, I'm in burst mode. Can I turn that off? Cause I don't want burst mode. I believe you can turn, can turn that, that off. off. Yeah, I think it's in settings photos, right? I, I seem to remember something about it. I actually kind of like it. So settings, I'm on iOS 9 here. So settings photos in camera and uh, there is upload burst photos, but there is, I see that. There is no way of, um, of turning off burst right. photos. So, so yeah. I just got to avoid fumble fingers. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Because of course you can edit at that point. Then what I do typically, if I realize that I've taken a burst is then you can go into the camera, you click on that photo and then you can selectively edit out the, uh, the ones that you don't want. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, moving on to Joe, Joe writes on Mac geek up five sixty eight. Yes. I'm catching up. You discussed the Western digital red drives in a Synology or any NAS unit, mainly around vibration issues. For me, and call me crazy, but I'd never fill a RAID or RAID-like solution with a batch of five or eight of all the same drives for the utmost protection. The same class of drives, yes, but mixing up manufacturers or at least batches should lessen the chances of big batch issues from a single vendor. So in my five bay, I have three WD NAS drives and two Seagate equivalents. Any thoughts on my thought process here? That's not a bad thought process, Joe. I have been through... The exact issue that you're concerned about in a five bay NAS, I had three 
Synology green drives and they all failed or they all started reporting errors right about the same time. And of course I was traveling. So I'm getting these, these notifications on my phone that, you know, drive one in your NAS is bad. Drive three in your NAS. It's like, Whoa. So, um, Thankfully, they weren't actually bad, and I, I was able to replace them one at a time. Seagate uh, our OEM or uh, uh, warranted them out for me. So, uh, but I had to, you know, you have to replace them one at a time, and you have to wait until the NAS finishes. And of course, the process of of integrating a new drive means beating the crap out of all the other drives that are in there, recreating the data that was on the missing drive. That if you if the drives were actually bad, as opposed to these green drives, which just report as bad in the NAS. That would have been, um, it could have been nightmarish. So yes, two lessons here. Number one, that's not a bad idea. But easier said than done because you often, you know, especially if you're buying sort of larger drives, there's not a whole lot of options and it's easier just to find the, you know, the, the right price on the, on the right class of drive and buy five of them or buy three of them or whatever it is. But, uh, but the other answer is back up your NAS. But just because it's a NAS, it is fault tolerant for errors and and single drive failures but it's not going to protect you against uh, you deleting data or catastrophic failure so yeah yeah good point man thoughts john yeah i like the thought process yeah in that uh, i wonder if it would stand up to statistical analysis i'll ask our friend dan about this here but um Instinctually, it sounds right that if you are going to experience catastrophic drive failures and they're all bought at around the same time, they will probably all start, you know, happily yep. failing together. That's, yeah, it 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 stands to reason. I, yes, you're right. The statistical analysis would be a good one to see. But uh, yeah. Hey, so uh, also in show 568, we had uh, a discussion about remote backup solutions. Uh, I'll let Matt explain. Hey guys, Matt Danskin from uh, Eugene, Oregon here. I was just listening to the Matt Geek Gab episode 568 uh, about the guy who's sending his daughter off to college. Don't cry, Dave. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> needs a set it and forget it backup solution. Uh, I'm kind of surprised you guys didn't think of the transporter. The guy's already got a two gig hard drive sitting there uh, in his daughter's dorm room take it back, get a transporter sync, put it at home, and uh, install the software on his daughter's computer, and she never has to think about it. She's got all of her data backed up and uh, also has versioning in the the latest few versions of the software. So I think that would be probably a good solution. Uh, Even if she loses stuff, she can get it back herself, and it'll uh, come down just as fast as... Her internet connection allows, or dad can pull it off onto a DVD and send it to her. Yeah. So I think that's a good solution. Love the show. Keep it up. See ya. Thanks, Matt. Great, uh, great suggestion. Yeah, it makes, you're right. It totally makes life easy. It's that, that, um, I love that workflow. In fact, that's one of my favorites. So good stuff. Thoughts, John? It's a, it's actually one of the tools that, that I use. Yes, I use it to back up special folders. Yeah. And um, yeah, the more more solutions uh, in my mind, the merrier. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, uh, lastly, from Show 568, Bob writes and says, I've been using a silver Sharpie to label the transformer bricks that I got for different electronic toys. And he sent a, sent a link to, uh, to an Amazon um, 
you know, an Amazon silver Sharpie, but you know, they're usually black. So a black Sharpie is not going to do it, but uh, a silver Sharpie certainly would. And he's got a pack of uh, four of them for less than five bucks. So the metallic Sharpie, it's probably easier than even using a labeler. Uh, I will admit. I also use the labor labeler, although you could use this for silver Sharpies there with silver Sharpies to label the drives in my NAS units so that I don't have to launch any software to look in them and see what sizes the drives are. Because typically in a, in a NAS, you're looking at the side of the drive and the size of a drive is printed on the top of the drive that you cannot see. So I took this, totally stole this idea from Pilot Pete and I'm not sure where Pilot Pete is today, but hello to you wherever you are. And, uh, and it's great because now I can just, you know, look inside my NAS and it's like, oh, yep, that's a, you know, that's a one terabyte. That's a three terabyte. That's a whatever. So huh. fun I'll have to consider that because actually I have several um, for my smaller drives. I have several USB three enclosures. Yeah. From, uh, uh, I believe I got it from one of our uh, one of the people we're going to talk about soon. Um, yeah. And actually my my labeling right now is a yellow sticky note. I write on that, I put it on, and then I put uh, tape over that. Aha. But, um, but it contrasts nicely with the black case. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's a good idea, man. That's a good idea. I'd be nervous about writing with, well, as long as it's not a permanent marker. I, I, I wouldn't want to, you know, deface something permanently. Yeah, so like well, that's what the, the, lot better. the labeler is. Yeah, you could just peel it off and, and there's, no, uh, there's no remnants left. Yeah. So... Hey, uh, John, I think it's time. This, this, this sponsor block has been working extremely well for everyone. So I think it's time to uh, tell you a little bit more about each of today's sponsors. How's that sound to you? Uh, I think you're right. Awesome. Great. Our first sponsor for today is Gazelle at, you guessed it, gazelle.com. Want to get cash for your old iPhone? Gazelle makes it easy. This is what they do, and they've been doing it for a long time. I've used them. I think John's used them. We've all used them. And the best part is their customer service is awesome. Actually, that's not the best part. The best part is getting cash for your iPhone. Got an old iPhone 5S, a 16 gig version on Verizon's going to net you 150 bucks. I checked prices this morning. An iPhone 6, 16 gig AT&T, 300 bucks, 300 bucks. A 6 plus 16 gig unlocked. It's like 350 bucks. Here's the best thing. It's all the best because it's Gazelle. They are. They're outstanding. It's free. You go online to gazelle.com. You tell them what you have. They'll tell you what they're going to pay you. If you like it, they send you a box. Guess what? The box is free. You put your phone in the box. You seal the box up. Guess what? The tape came in the box. It was free. You send the box back. Guess what? That's free. They get the box, they open it up, they make sure that you put something in it, they make sure that what you put in it is what you said you were going to put in it, and this part's not free. It gets you cash. They pay you either a check, they'll send you PayPal if you want, or they'll uh, give you Amazon bucks and you actually get like an extra 5%. They've, have had, they've had over 1 million customers, over $200 million paid out. This is outstanding. You got to check it out. And now is the right time because you just ordered your iPhone yesterday. Gazelle.com. Make sure when you're doing checkout, you tell them you heard about it from Mac Geek Gab. That's 
your way of telling us we say thanks, telling them we say thanks, just choose Mac Geek M on the checkout. They appreciate it. They know we appreciate it. And that's good for all of us here. Gazelle.com. Our second sponsor today is Casper. Casper.com slash MGG is where you start to begin to get an even better night's sleep. Here's the deal. You're going to sleep on a mattress every night. Why not have a really good mattress? Even better, why not have a really good mattress at a shockingly fair price? Because that's what you're going to get from Casper. These folks are obsessive about the way they engineer these things. These are foam mattresses, but they're not just foam. They're the right kinds of foam. Memory foam in the middle to give you support and really contour to your body. Latex foam as an outer layer to make sure you're cool and not like all sweaty and disgusting. This is how it's supposed to be. This is the way to sleep. We've got Casper mattresses here at the house. We love them. You got to check this out because here's the deal. And it is a deal. You go to casper.com slash MGG and then you find the mattress you want to get because, you know, you might want one size for one room and another size for another. That's normal. No matter what you're doing, coupon code MGG gets you 50 bucks off your mattress. At, already, it's a shockingly fair price. You could throw away the Mac Geek Geb discount. Doesn't matter. You'd still be getting a mattress for a good price, but you don't have to do that. Coupon code MGG gets you 50 bucks off. You get free shipping. And here's the thing. Queen size mattress from them, 850 bucks. That's before your Mac Geek Geb $50 discount. King size, 950 bucks. You guessed it, before your discount. Twin size mattress, 500 bucks. So this is the way to buy mattresses because I'll tell you what, we shopped for mattresses not that long ago, a couple of years ago, 1500 bucks for a king size mattress of the same quality, maybe even lesser quality than you're going to get from Casper. You got to check this out. Casper.com slash MGG is the place to start. Find your size. Get the mattress, try it out for a hundred days. If you don't like it, they'll come and get it. No cost to you. You get all your money back. Why, why would you not want to try this? So try it out. Casper.com slash MGG. Start getting a better night's sleep right now. And our third sponsor for today is Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com. Super easy to remember. MaxSales.com. They sell all kinds of stuff there. And it's true. Everything that they sell is, again, obsessively engineered. These guys really focus on making sure they're creating products for you that are outstanding. I know we all like external hard drives. It's weird. We're weird people, you know, because we're geeks and that's cool. But we really, really get to like external hard drives. Well, you can get some awesome external hard drives from OWC. They've got their Mercury on the go pros. Right. Starting at like 76 bucks, 75.99, give or take a penny. Uh, awesome little bus powered case that you can put a hard drive in. Uh, they've got the OWC Mercury Elite Pro USB three FireWire 800 E SATA. These things look great. You can get them with drives from starting at 500 gigs for like 129 bucks up to six terabytes worth of storage in there. Six terabytes. Worth of storage with uh, USB three, four hundred nineteen bucks. These are, I mean, these are cool prices in a cool enclosure. It looks good. You got to check these things out. 
How about Doc's? You a Thunderbolt person? They're Thunderbolt 2 Doc for 229 bucks. That's right, 229 bucks. You get five USB 3 ports, audio in and out, FireWire 800, gigabit Ethernet, another Thunderbolt port to either Daisy Chain or, you know, connect a monitor, and an HDMI port. All right there, 229 bucks. How about you folks that have a MacBook, the new one, you know, USB-C, that dock's coming. 129 bucks for the, for the USB-C dock. It's got uh, three USB 3 ports, normal USB 3 ports on the back, and then one on the front. It's got an SD port on the front. It's got audio in and out. It's got another USB-C port that you can connect something else to to keep the chain going. It's got gigabit Ethernet and HDMI. 129 bucks. Pre-order it today and you'll get it in October. That's how it works. Check them all out. MaxSales.com and make sure to tell them we said thank you for sending you or something like that. MaxSales.com. Thanks, folks. Indeed. Hey, uh, you know what, John? I want to take a minute and talk about our favorite, or at least my favorite, if you haven't run it yet, uh, features of iOS 9, or at least some of the ones that I've noticed. I've been, uh, I've been running iOS 9 on my iPad for a long time, but only put it on my phone this week. And uh, I will say this, although it, you know, I, I, I waited until the developer uh, GM was available to put it on my phone, which is sort of just what I always do. Uh, for the most part, anyway. And uh, I did a backup of my phone in iTunes, of course. And then I put iOS 9 on there. And uh, and it just went through a, re- a constant reboot cycle. So I had to wipe it clean and restore from a backup. But that was fine. It's, I guess it's what I get for using developer stuff, even though at this point the developer stuff is GM stuff. So uh, maybe the, maybe I would have had the problem anyway. <laughs> Have you put- GM for those um, for those who don't know GM is typically what's called a gold master, which is almost always usually well often the final version before official release, and sometimes it is the final version. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows, right? I, and and it could have been anything with my phone, so I'm, I'm not I'm not faulting anyone for this. But. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I did the. Um, one of the betas of the OS on an external drive. I'm I'm nervous about putting a non-release version on any of my iOS devices. Although I know you can up until a certain point revert if you'd like to. But um, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, dude, I develop software um, <laughs> on occasion. So I just, uh, it just makes me nervous. Yeah, well, you're a nervous Nelly about that stuff. I'm okay with it. I actually run, I've been running El Capitan since the first developer beta on my uh, MacBook Air. And I've been running, and El Capitan, by the way, the, the golden master of that is out. And at, if you missed it in the, in, in the event the other day, because it wasn't, it was only mentioned in the event in, uh, in passing in an email that uh, was shown in a screenshot from Phil Schiller mm-hmm. to Craig Federighi that uh, OS 10.2. 10.11 El Capitan will be out on September 30th. So there you go. It's, it's, it's coming. Uh, did you say El Capitan? <laughs> I'm not going there with you. Yes, I did. Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. That's so good, but, um, the, it, so it's coming on September 30th, but iOS nine comes this week. And I want to talk about a few of the things that I've actually found that I really liked in there. Some of them that are kind of hidden. Uh, one is that when you're in the settings app, you can now search for 
things that you might want to enable or disable. And and I've found that super handy because, you you know, like we were talking about before, it was like, hey, where do you you know, where do you find this burst mode setting? Well, now I can just go up to the top and in the settings app, I can type burst and it says upload burst photos is inside photos and camera. OK, great. And if I tap it, it'll bring me right there, right to that page. Um, really handy and something I think will all of us geeks will like, because sometimes you're just searching for where is that? And it might be in multiple places and that's how you can find it. So that's that's one of my favorites uh, on the six and six S. And of course, presumably the uh, the uh, sorry on the six and six plus and presumably the six S and six S plus many carriers will now allow Wi-Fi calling. Uh, and indeed, that's true of AT&T and I believe also T-Mobile in most places. So uh, if you go in, you could search for this, of course, but I've searched for it and I can tell you where it is. You have to enable it. You go into settings phone and uh, right below your number, the first option will be Wi-Fi calling. You turn it on and then you have to go through a uh, just a quick little thing confirming your home address, because if you dial 911 from it and for whatever reason, it can't figure out what your address is they're going to assume it's this home address for you. So you've got to set what they call your emergency address. And then if your service is low or non-existent, you can still get calls and regular text messages uh, in and out over Wi-Fi, which is pretty darn cool if your carrier supports it. So it means that someone like me that has uh, microcells in your house, eh, you might not need those microcells anymore. So it's an interesting thought process. And, uh, as long as everybody, every phone in your house supports this Wi-Fi calling. So fun stuff. I like that. You know what, Dave? I'm going to give you a thought process. <laughs> now, I think what I may do for the future. So as I mentioned, um, if I was going to run a non-release version of OS 10, um, and when I have done this, I'd put it on an external drive in its own world. So there's no chance of any damage to my day-to-day machine or machines. Yeah, just um, I do the opposite. Clone your, uh, yeah, clone your, you? your pre clone your pre. Well, that way you get to actually use it. I, you know, my, my problem with doing it in a, in a sandbox like that is you're not really going to experience what it's like running it. You're going to run it when it's, you know, convenient, oh, especially okay, if no, it's a I laptop, you're you know what I mean? So I, I do it in the reverse. I, I sandbox off my old one. And that way, if I have to do something, I'm good to go. And I always travel with an external drive to do exactly that. So that if I totally, cause I always update to El Capitan or to the new version of OS 10 at WWDC, but I always have a clone of the old one okay. that I can. Run. All right. So what you're saying is you, all right. So you clone and then you install the pre-release version over uh, a copy of your existing. No, I clone and then I disconnect the clone and that's now my safe haven. And then I install oh, and then I, and then I, I install. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on my main drive, but I, I, I do have a safety net if I, if I need it and I can I go see. back. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Same, same thing. Then. Same idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Same idea. What I think I may do, Dave, and, and I haven't done this for a while. I actually, you know, it's funny because I actually have some old iPod touches. Um, I think they're like third generation that when I was dabbling with iOS development, the thing is an iPod touch for the most part, and I think this is still the case is uh, other than it not having a phone, it should run any app um, that an iPhone does of, of the same class. And, and they just, you know, as, as you probably know, they just released a, a new one. Is it sixth generation? I think, but the yeah. iPod touch 
So, you know, I may wait for, for them to hit the refurb store and then maybe pick one of them up. I see that the pricing now starts at one ninety nine, but if I can get one for less, then yep. why the heck not? But I may get one of those so I can dabble with, uh, safely dabble with, um, with iOS pre-releases. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I've, I've never had a problem with it on my iPad. Well, that's not true. Every year I've had a problem with it. <laughs> and I, and I, well, because I, it's well, not true, except it is, <laughs> except that it's, 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 it's true in this very specific and yet very dangerous way. I, I'm a, uh, you folks know I'm a musician and in the last couple of years. I've been doing a lot of pit work, meaning in the theater pit, which is, which I really like because it challenges me and I have to read music, which, which I've always known how to do, but it, it's good. It, you know, it, it lets me kind of play weird things and, and uh, do stuff that I wouldn't normally do. And in order to read music, I have to have that music in front of me. Otherwise I'm not reading. I always use my iPad as the, um, as the vehicle to do that. I scan it in. I use uh, uh, PDF scan plus usually as I, as I use to scan the book in and then, I have it on my iPad and I can make all the notes that I want there and I can return to the music director, a pristine copy of the book. I don't have to sit there after the last show and after packing up my drums, erase all my marks in the, in the stupid book. So it's great for all these reasons. But what, uh, what it means is I need to have that software. There's a specific piece of software I use on the iPhone or on the iPad called four score F O R score. And it's, four scores it's perfect for this it's got like a playing mode where all you have to do is tap the screen and it, it advances the page and it's perfect it's, it's custom built for this purpose but it seems to always have problems running the existing version on whatever the ios beta is i have that problem with ios 8 and i have that problem with ios 9 i don't fault the developer um but you know they don't guarantee that it's going to work on some os they haven't seen yet right so uh and i've always had a theater show to do like right after I've done the upgrade and I always forget about that, but um, I either have to pester the developer and say, Hey man, you know, do you have a fix yet? Or uh, I like this year, I think I whipped out the old, I have an old, uh, Oh, I used my son's iPad cause he was away at camp and I'm like, Hey man, can I, can I use your iPad? Cause I, I kind of, you know, screwed up here and he's like, yeah, hey, I don't care what you do. I'm away at camp. So I took his, he's got an iPad three or whatever. And I was like, okay, great. So yes, it definitely causes me problems. But again, I've got these safety nets. I just have to think about it. Hey, uh, back in iOS 9 is the ability, you know, you can always swipe from the top to do searches on the home screen. Well, now you can swipe left and get your searches and suggestions there. And it's actually really cool. The, the app suggestions that you get are kind of your most recent or more frequent, most frequently used apps. And, uh, and it's really handy. So, uh, so that's, it, you know, it's one of those things that went away and I'm glad to have it back. Another one that I really like, John, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why I wouldn't just turn this on all the time is if you go into settings on iOS nine and you go into a new settings section called battery battery usage is displayed there. It used to be displayed in general usage, I believe, but now it's just in settings battery. It gets its own top level view. And it's enhanced. You can see what apps have used your battery. And then if you hit this little clock icon, and I don't know why this isn't on by default uh, or why it's even an option, but it shows you not just the percentage of your battery that the app has used either in the last two days or the last 24 hours, but exactly how many minutes on screen the app has used versus how many minutes in the background the app has used. And I'm proud to say that uh, in the last 24 hours, the Facebook app has used 33 minutes of background time, despite (laughs) 
despite me having gone in and confirmed that background app refresh on the Facebook app is still disabled as it has been for well over a year. So, you know, it, I'm reminded of the uh, of I, I think it was a, a, a Bugs Bunny or Woody Woodpecker cartoon where they were. The, I, I feel this way about the background app refresh update switch. It is. Don't you believe it? Right. You know, it's just how it is. Stupid. Anyway. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're but quite often identified as a culprit when battery gets, uh, when your, when your iOS device battery uh, gets run down, they're very persistent that they, they want. I don't get it, man. So, uh, but, but in here is not only this new display of things, but also a new setting called low power mode. And what it says is low power mode temporarily reduces power consumption until you can fully charge your iPhone. At which point I have confirmed it does turn off. So you don't have to remember to turn it off. Once you hit hundred percent, boom, it turns off when this is on mail fetch background app refresh, automatic downloads, and some visual effects are reduced or turned off. This seems like something I want on all the time. I don't, you know, I don't really care about that stuff happening in the background, to be quite honest. And clearly, I'm unable uh, to use the rest of the iPhone settings to stop, say, the Facebook app from running in the background. There's a visual indicator that low power mode is enabled. And in fact, you are offered, you have to come into the battery settings to turn it on if you want to do it. Uh, Unless you hit that 20% mark and then it's offered to you in the uh, in that dialogue but the visual indicator is that your battery icon instead of being black or red if it's very low is now yellow instead of being black and that's that's how you know that you're in low power uh, consumption mode so i have i don't have enough uh, enough data on it to say how how much longer it extends a fully charged battery to put it in this mode but i certainly feel like it makes sense to me to to do that so i don't know trying it out something to do It'll, I think it'll make people that run the uh, iPhone uh, 5 series, the 5S. Actually, I guess the 5S is the only one that can run. The 5S and the 5C are the only ones that can run iOS 9, right? Can the 5 run iOS 9? I guess it can. If it can run iOS 8, it can run iOS 9. And the 5 fits into that. So, yeah, the 5 series indeed. Crazy stuff, Mr. Braun. You don't have a favorite, you don't have a favorite feature in iOS 9 yet, do you? I'll let you know once I install it. Okay. All right. All right. 4S and up. Thanks, Will. Run for fun in the chat room at uh, MacGeekGab.com slash stream or in the new, uh, the newly free uh, MacGeekGab iOS app. You can get to the chat room as well. So thanks, Will. Run for fun for, uh, for, for, for clarifying that. Outstanding. So, yeah, that's my, uh, those are my favorite features right out of the gate. And I guess after I'm done with the show this morning, I'm going to yet again reset my iPhone because I want to make sure that it did, in fact, get the unlock uh, instruction from AT&T. So. All right. Fun stuff. Time to go to Martin, John. Yeah, this was a result. Um, I think the background as I got this ball rolling is um, so there's been a lot of chatter about some uh, routers out there as of late, especially the Google one. Right. Mm-hmm. Google has this fancy new one and they have a new one. Your fancy yeah. is your word. <laughs> well, it, 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 it has the potential to do a lot of interesting things. Uh, let, let's leave it at that. But mm-hmm. then 
uh, I saw in my feed from various people saying, hey, you know what? There's this one site that does a really bang up job of really methodically testing out things like range and stuff like that. And, uh, and I noticed one of our, uh, one of our beloved listeners, um, you going to uh, tell us about the site, John, um, uh, wirecutter.com. Thank you. I believe it is. And so they did a very thorough, I think, uh, at one point, very thorough evaluation of many wireless routers, not Apple. Oddly enough, I didn't see apples in there for good reason. We'll talk which we'll talk about here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but then they had two different, uh, recommendations here. So I think at one point Martin said, uh, you know, what should I get here? I guess he's on a budget. And, uh, the one that they did recommend at one point was, um, I think from TP link, the TP link, uh, Archer C7, which still seems to be a fine one. Yep. Um, and it's reasonably priced. I think in the U S it's about a hundred dollars U S and he says it's about 89 euros, which, uh, for what it does, Seems to be great. And then you, uh, as you often do, my friend, uh, notice that they uh, have since updated that. Yeah, they, they've updated their article. In fact, they updated it, I believe, about an hour after we got Martin's email uh, kind of asking this. You know, he's got an old time. It, I, and I do want to give some some background, but I'll do that in a minute. They they updated the article saying that the Netgear 6400 is now their favorite. Um, and I, I have to agree with them. Uh, on this, the Netgear firmware, you know, if, you, if you're going to, I'm not a stock firmware guy, which we've talked about. I like DD Word. And there's actually a whole thing going on where the FCC is proposing some new legislation to keep people from using wireless channels and strengths that they shouldn't use, which I'm totally fine with. Uh, and potentially might unintentionally stop people from being able to use third-party firmware and so there's all kinds of there, there's enough heat being generated by this that i think i think the law will be written properly and not just in a blanket way um but uh if you if you know if you're not crazy like me and and don't feel obsessed about using crazy third-party firmware netgear's firmware is actually fantastic and in fact it it, it it does most of the things and almost all of the things that I would want to do. I could run, I could run Netgear stock firmware and have, um, in fact, I ran it for about a month as I, as I mentioned, and other than the way I like to run my own VPN server here, uh, Netgear's firmware did everything I wanted and really is easy to use. And you get the benefit. Netgear has some really high end routers, but their firmware works on all of their routers. You know, so you get the benefit of of some, you know, high what I'll call high end consumer development uh, in even their lower priced routers like the like the 6400. Um, I would and I agree with I agree with Wirecutter that the 6400 is a fine router. If you're going to do it, I would actually consider the R7000 instead of the R6400. But um, it's about 30 bucks more. But but the 6400 is a good option from Netgear. Um, So there's that. So. Uh, thoughts on that, John, before there, there was kind of a second part to his question that I, that I do want to address because it, I think it's relevant, but, uh, any more thoughts on the router portion I of this? May, you know, I still may get, I, I like this TP link Archer C7 number one, because I really like the TP link switch that I got. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm a fan so far and looking at it, it's under a hundred bucks, which, uh, you know, for what you get, that's, yeah. that's a deal. So it's I a dual, it's a dual band router, uh, it, it'll do what it's it's three by three MIMO, I believe. Is that right with that one, John? 
my three by three. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is one that they said, you know, this, this gives you as much throughput as you're going to get all the way up to yep. uh, AC, which I don't have yet. I, or I think I have one device that does AC. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, and then to the second point. Um, yeah. So he asked, he said, um, that he's, he's got an old, the reason this came up is because he's got an old one terabyte time capsule, uh, from 2010 and it's got really bad reception. No great surprise. Um, and, and he said, you know, he asked what he could replace it with, but one of the questions was how do I use time machine with whatever new router I get? And here's the thing. Certainly the Netgear, I don't know about the, um, the TP link, but the, the Netgear, especially the R7000, has USB ports and you can hang a hard drive off it and it'll offer it up on the network as a, uh, you know, as a, a storage destination and all of that. But it, they only offer it up as an SMB volume, which is Windows sharing and, and actually Mac OS sharing as well nowadays. But Time Capsule, as we've discussed, or Time Machine, sorry, as we've discussed, only works with AFP shares. Well, only is a strong word. If you're really crazy, you can make it work with SMB shares, but I don't recommend it. Don't, don't, do it. don't do it. Right. So it, it doesn't, you know, you're not going to be able to use Time Machine with these backup destinations. Now you could use some other backup software and just back up to a disk image across the network. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff would be fine. But uh, if you want to continue using Time Machine, here's the deal. Your one terabyte time capsule, although it's got an older hard drive in it, uh, is still functional for your backups. And in fact, I have an older first generation one terabyte time capsule that I still back up to. I have turned off all the wireless functions in it, so it does not broadcast a wireless signal. I have turned off all the routing functions in it by putting it into bridge mode. And so essentially, it is a dumb NAS that sits on my network and advertises itself as a hard drive. And I can back up to it because it supports AFP and it works just fine. So there's no reason you have to decommission this. You just change its purpose by changing its settings. And yeah, by all means, turn off the wireless in that thing. It's not going to help you. <laughs> I used to use it as kind of a remote, you know, it was one of my remote wireless uh points access wireless access points uh, even after i put it into bridge mode and it was like yeah no not anymore it's it's gotta go <laughs> so so there you go don't don't you know don't lose don't lose all the functionality of it just because you want to turn off the routing functionality i guess that's what i'm saying in fact it's more than i guess it's exactly what i'm saying thoughts on that john i think you do the same exactly. thing don't you um for my time machine yeah isn't that right? Don't you don't you have an old uh, old old time capsule? Oh no, I tossed that. You tossed it. Okay. Did your heart? Your no. Heart right now, I have an airport. Uh, yeah. So my current. Uh, oh no, it didn't. Uh, no, it was just a piece of junk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's because we had that whole discussion about it. it's it's a sad lack of uh, at least the the generation that I had. Um, it's a substandard wireless performance. Well, but that's what I was just saying. Uh, you turn off the wireless, turn off the routing. It's still a backup destination. Yeah. Well, yeah. I basically tossed it though. I liberated the drive and I, I threw the drive, which I think was a one terabyte inside my drober where it's happily, uh, acting as a drive. And then nice. I have now just an airport express, which, uh, as I mentioned, I think I may want to, uh, cause I still get weird, especially between my MacBook pro I still get weird Wi-Fi stuff happening, and, and I'm convinced it's just because this thing is, is kind of 
acts up at times as well. It's an Airport Express, uh, I don't know, third or fourth generation, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. That Apple stuff is weird. I, I just, you know, it's, um, it's not built for geeks is, is really what it comes down to. You're right. I don't want to say it's bad weird might even be the wrong word, but it's weird when you're, when you're sitting and comparing it to all these other routers that cost the same or less. And you're like, why can these others do all this crazy stuff? Uh, and Apple's is this one path performance on Apple stuff is usually really good. There's no question there. And if you want the easy button, there's nothing wrong with it. But, but for geeks like us, it's just, it's the wrong choice. Yeah. And what especially drove me away from considering the uh, latest Apple um, AC is that they removed SNMP. Now, many of you will say that you don't need it. So what? Right. But this is something. Well, I no, I, I like to have SNMP for those that don't know what that is. Simple network management protocol. And it's basically a standard where network where you can interrogate network devices and um, ask them for all sorts of interesting information, like how many bits and bytes have you sent and received and stuff. And yeah. uh I'd like to geek out and do that. And my understanding is that, and Apple removed that from their latest product. And I don't think they're going to put it back in all preceding products. Uh, wireless uh, bases did have it. So I'm not too pleased that they, they removed that. So I'm going elsewhere, Apple. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I will say this. You can probably stop using SNMP. If you run a router with the, my favorite DDWRT firmware, because it shows you most of the stuff you would want to expose via SNMP. It shows you right in the router's web interface. So you don't even have to worry about it. It's actually pretty awesome. Oh, like it's in bytes sent. And really, that, that's really the only step yeah. that I think most people care about that's anyways, right. is uh, how much data are you shuffling about? Okay. Yeah. Shows you in real time. Uh, on each per interface and also uh, over the course of each each day and and then it it aggregates by month too here's how much data you sent that last month here's how much data you sent this month but it'll show you by day as well it's pretty awesome uh i'm not sure if that archer c7 you're talking about will run uh ddwrt and i'm honestly not sure if the r6400 from netgear will but i know the R7000 from Netgear will. That's one of the um, favored routers for the DDWRT community. So I, I highly now, recommend you consider these things before now, you. Now you bring up an interesting point is that the TP-Link switch that I have, which is connected to my airport, does have the ability that you mentioned and that it shows packets in and yeah. packet out. So in theory, I could use my switch mm. to tell me my wireless traffic. Because it's yeah, it's connected to a port. I may want to get more fine grained information, but it's right. giving me some place to start. Right, right, mm. right. Yep. All right. Speaking of networks. Speaking of networks, yeah, that's right. Uh, Kent has a question here. Kent says. Uh, You've discussed network issues extensively in the past, and every time I come away feeling like I know how to handle my own, but right now I'm stumped. Not too long ago, we moved into a new home and changed our provider to AT&T Uverse. AT&T supplied a Motorola NVG589 residential gateway that provides modem and router services, as well as the TV signals to our devices. Sadly, the gateway is located at one end of the house, and the result is the wireless signal at the other end, a distance of roughly, roughly 75 feet, is weak to non-existent. I've added in a wireless network wireless range extender, which helps some, but since it creates a separate network, 
with the under EX, underscore EXT extension added, I have to manually change networks when moving from room to room. And the signal really isn't all that much better, which is true. You're taking a weak signal and extending it. It's going to be weak. I've attached a two terabyte time capsule and several external drives to the uh, Netgear unit uh, or to the to the AT&T unit, sorry, uh, to handle backup duties. The time capsule is set to bridge mode and everything seems to be working fine with the exception of the weak signal at the extremities. However, to complicate matters, we're having an extension added to the house, which will take it in a whole other direction, with the result being that even though the router gateway will be centrally located, there'll be more weak slash dead zones. I'm atta- and he attached a drawing, which was great. And he says, so my thought is the best solution is hardwired devices added to the network to supply the wireless signals in those weak areas. At the, as a first pass, I tried connecting the time capsule to the same Ethernet connection as the UVerse, since I don't want to have to manually switch networks every time I move from one room to the next. I tried giving the time capsule the same name and password as the uh, UVerse router and set the network mode and airport utility to extend a wireless network. That didn't seem to work as the signal strength five feet from it was still very weak, leading me to believe I was still pulling wirelessly from the UVerse. Uh, I thought to change the uh, UVerse to simply bridge the signal to the time capsule and have the time capsule manage the network. But from what I found online, this is not as simple. Currently, I'm thinking I'll buy two airport expresses and install one at the end of each house, but I don't know how to configure them uh, to make that work. So the, 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 the subtext here is that we're all extremely jealous of Kent because Kent appears to have ethernet in his walls. Uh, most of us do not have that, but if you are building an addition or building an entire house, put ethernet in the walls, count as much as you're going to need, double the number and put that in your walls. It is really, really cheap to do. You don't even have to terminate them. You can just leave them behind the walls. Just know where they are. And, uh, but it's, it doesn't cost that much more to terminate them either. And then you've got it. Uh, I will say this. If you don't have ethernet in the walls, our favorite solution here at Mac geek Gab, at least is power line. And I just started testing D links, new two uh, gigabit power line adapters. Uh, even though they're two gigabits, um, it, it, they only have gigabit ethernet ports, so they'll never actually get to two gigabit. Uh, they don't actually get to two gigabit anyway. Uh, in my house, they get to about 200 megabytes per second. It basically is double whatever I was, whatever anyone was getting with the 500 megabyte per second uh, 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 power line switches. And I was getting about 100. So now I'm getting 200, which is great because my internet connection is 175 now. So, uh, so that's handy and is a good thing. Uh, and, and it will work to, you know, bounce movies around and that sort of thing. So, Ethernet in the walls is what Kent has, so we're going to work with that. But if you don't have Ethernet in the walls, putting power line adapters in is the second best solution to putting Ethernet in the walls. And it's, a, it's as simple as, almost as simple as Ethernet. You literally plug into a power adapter, plug the Ethernet into the box, and it's like you've got Ethernet in the walls. It's just a little slower. So, with Ethernet well, in the walls... Go ahead, John. I'm going to violently disagree with you. All right. It's been a while, right? <laughs> No, uh, there's another technology that I, I want to mention to people and one that I want to try out, but I, I, I haven't made the right connection yet with people that offer this here, Dave. And actually, in my case, if I want to run high speed into other parts of my house, so my house uh, um, is older, but what it does have, Dave, in every room is um, both an RJ11 connection for telephone, which is, you know, 
So what? Right. Because <laughs> I don't need a telephone in every room. But more important, I have a uh, cable connection. Co- a coax, you mean? Co. Yes. Cable coax. And there is a standard called MOCA, M-O-C-A, Multimedia Over Coax. Yeah. Which does something very similar to what Powerline does, but instead of using Powerlines, it uses your cable that may be running through the house. And I already have this installed. Um, so very similar, you, you get a, a unit that plugs into the cable, and then the other end is Ethernet. So I want to give that a shot. I, I don't have a, a strong need for it. I mean, maybe, you know, for the room that, you know, you usually hang out in when, uh, when you stay overnight. Sure. To run Ethernet there because that's where the TiVo is right now yep. as well. And, and the things right now, my TiVo is doing a 802.11N. I'd, I'd like to do Ethernet. Sure. I don't know if I really need to, but also to give you an Ethernet connection in that room. <laughs> well, you could, I mean, you could broadcast so, uh, a second, uh, you know, a second, uh, although you don't really need it. Um, I was going to say, your house is, is laid out in such a way that you actually get decent Wi Fi coverage throughout it. So. Oh, yeah. It's just to get maximum speed right um you know i may want to plant these uh mocha to ethernet uh well you should get some of those and test them out man yeah Yeah. i mean amazon amazon sells them yeah they're like it's like actually you know i i well you know i just did a search here and um and i found one here and this is a company i've run into before you know i'm I'm a cheapskate i mean i'd like to get right right to review if uh but but no i see here and actually the the first one that pops up uh action tech which is a company i know that makes these and they sell one at walmart and it's like 60 bucks so i don't know if i just need one or two of those you need two it like with power line right you you need two because you've got to you got to have them on either end of the of the deal yep um yeah, I'm curious what kind of speed you get with those. I, I may actually try some of those too. It, um, it says that you're getting consistent throughput up to 270 megabits per second. These, you know, Powerline has said up to 500 and now up to 2000. That's not exactly what you get. So I'm curious how uh, how well it actually works. But uh, but yeah, I'd be I'd be really curious if they can do 270. I'd love to hear about that. I'd, I'd get some of those, man. Yep. All right. Fun. All right. So to to back to Kent's question, uh, he wants to know how to configure first his time capsule because he tried that already and he put it in extend a wireless network mode and found that correctly. He surmised that it was still just getting the wireless signal from the uh, from the Uverse router. And that's what extend a wireless network will do. It's somewhat counterintuitive to what you would think you're running there, but that's exactly what it'll do. What you want to do is connect the two via Ethernet, put the time capsule, which at this point is is not going to be your router. It's just going to be an access point. Uh, you want to put it into bridge mode, as we discussed before, and and that's in the network portion. And then in the wireless portion, instead of extend a wireless network, you want to say create a wireless networks. This seems counterintuitive and it is Apple's terminology is wrong, but you want it to be broadcasting a wireless network for its ethernet connection. Now it's ethernet connection happens to go back to your Uverse router, which is great because it means it's all one network. Uh, So create a wireless network. My recommendation uh, is, and has always been and still is to give each of these things exactly the same network name exactly the same 
uh, encryption password format and use them on different channels so that they don't overlap with each other and, uh, and, and interfere with each other. So, and when I say different channels, I mean for 2.4 gigahertz, one, six and 11 are really the only unique channels. So choose one of those three for each of your devices and uh, for each of your access points and you should be okay. And you're going to do the same thing when you buy your two airport expresses, you're going to put them at the outer extremes. Um, You're going to wire it into your ethernet because we hate you and you have ethernet in your walls. And, uh, and then you're going to put them in bridge mode and create a wireless network. And and then it's going to be all one thing. Um, If you have a lot of Android phones, so, so, so that all, they all want to be the same uh, SSID. And then there's a separate discussion about whether 2.4 gigahertz and five gigahertz should be on the same SSID. If you have Apple devices, the answer is most certainly yes. And the reason is Apple devices have the the silly wireless priority list, right? And they will follow that list. And it is by SSID only. So if you have your 5 gigahertz and your 2.4 gigahertz named separately, here's what happens. If you prioritize your 5 and you are just at the edge of the range of your 5 gigahertz, but bathed in two fast, fast acting 2.4 gigahertz, guess what? Your device is going to pick that 5 because it can see it. And it is at the top of the list. And this is true for iOS devices as well as Macs. Um, the only way to get to tell the device, hey, be smart about this, pick the network that's the best for me, not the one that's at the top of my list. Because there's many times, especially in a home where you've got walls and such, that five gigahertz is going to be the worst uh, choice, even though you can see the network. Uh, you have to have them named the same. So, yes, you definitely want to name them the same if you're listening to this show, because you most likely have Apple devices, Android devices. It's, in fact, exactly the opposite. So and and then there are some devices that. Uh, like Allison Sheridan actually put up a very astute post about this, that, uh, you know, things like the Nest thermostat and and some of these other devices only operate on 2.4. And sometimes I don't have this problem here and I don't know why, because I've got a Nest in the studio. But um, some of these devices, sometimes she was having a problem with the Nest where it wouldn't connect to her 2.4 because it was seeing the five gigahertz first and was getting in the way. So if you have that sort of scenario Honestly, my best recommendation is to get a router that supports running what are called multiple virtual SSIDs. And again, I go back to my crazy DDWRT third party firmware, but it does this. So I have one 2.4 gigahertz radio and one 5 gigahertz radio, and I name them both the same. And then I add a virtual SSID to the 2.4 that says, you know, I name my networks Dave the Nerd here at the house, right? So uh, I have a separate one that I named Dave the Nerd dash two four. And that one is the one that I would connect these other devices to. It's the same radio, different name. And if I want different security, uh, which is also handy if you've got those old devices that need like WEP or something. Um, and and then it works great. Uh, you know, you, then you can you can just point your like in, in that instance for Allison, you point your nest at the Dave the Nerd dash two point four and you're good to go. So. It gets a little crazy, but that's how our lives get. We're geeks. That's why we're here. So. So there you go. There you go. That's my feeling on it. Thoughts, John? My feeling. Uh, one thing I'll add here is that there's an article that, that I've used in the past and also recommend that people read. 
uh, from Apple. I won't link to it. Uh, but it's called Wi-Fi Base Stations, extending the range of your wireless network by adding additional Wi-Fi base stations. But they also suggest, and we touched on, that sometimes uh, running Ethernet between them is a way to properly do that. And they guide you, or that they show you several scenarios and give you suggestions about how to do that, at least with their equipment. Yep. So, uh, worth checking out. Sweet. All right, Mr. Braun. Let's see. Uh Ah, you know what? Let's go. Let's let's take this. Let's stay on course here, and let's go to Robert. Robert, what do you have to say? Hey guys, it's Robert Hazelrig, longtime listener. Sorry, it's been so long since I've called. Hey, um, Music Match and iTunes. This new iTunes music thing has really got me frustrated. Uh, it used to be when I paid for Music Match that I could stream my music to my iPhone anywhere in the world, anytime I wanted, no matter how large my music collection is, that is, as long as it was under 25,000 songs. Um, all of a sudden, I noticed um, my record collection has dwindled down to 24 songs when I'm on the road in my car trying to play any given music list. All the music lists that I have have dwindled down to what, you know, some of the songs that I used to have had two, three thousand, sometimes four thousand songs in the playlist. Now, they only have 24, and they all have 24. I don't understand what's going on. If you could help me, let me know. Uh, cut me off now if you want to get back to me. All right, you are cut off, my friend. Yeah, um, so... It sounds like because you're not using Apple Music that you have disabled iTunes Match unintentionally. And we've been through this once before in the show, but it, it, it bears repeating because this is not an obvious thing. iTunes Match now doesn't have its own settings on, on the Mac or on iOS. So uh, on iOS, because that's where your problem is, go to Music. In the music app, um, it, well, there's, actually, well, let's start with the settings. Go to settings, go to music, go to iCloud Music Library, and or make sure that that is enabled. I know you're not using Apple Music, and iCloud Music Library is a feature of, a, a sub-feature of Apple Music, but you can turn it on without having Apple Music on, and the reason is that iTunes match is enabled and disabled along with iCloud music library. So if you don't have Apple music enabled, but you do subscribe to iTunes match, turn this on. That's probably the root of your problem. You've probably got that off and therefore you're not seeing any of your iTunes match content because even though it's not obvious, it's disabled. The other thing, which is actually awesome and great for anyone that's using Apple music or iTunes match. So listen carefully here. You now have the ability to turn on and off whether or to, to enable or disable whether or not you see your iTunes match stuff, your remote iTunes match or your remote Apple music stuff on your phone uh, in the music app itself. It used to be that you had to go into settings and say, show me all music versus just the stuff that's on this phone. And that setting change would take like five minutes sometimes to, to kick in. Now it's instantaneous and it's available in the music app. You go into music, uh, you go to my music, which is your stuff, um, as opposed to the stuff that's just, you know, in the store or streamable or anything. 
and then either uh, library or playlists. It doesn't matter if you're in playlists because that's where Robert was. Tap on where it says all playlists and then you have options there. You can use just your playlist. You can show Apple Music playlists or you and then you have the option of turning on or off the only offline music checkbox or radio button or whatever we call the slider switch. If you turn that on, it's only going to show you the things you have already downloaded to your phone. If you turn it off, it shows you everything. And this is also the case if you're on the library tab of my music and you're at, you know, artists or songs or albums or whatever you're at, tap that thing to change that. And again, at the bottom of that, that list is the only offline music settings. And if, again, if it's on, you're only going to see the things that are on your phone. If it's off, then you're going to see everything, even if it's streamable. So my guess is it was the first one, but it could be a combination of those two. You've got to tell it, yeah, I want to see this stuff in the cloud, not just the stuff I've downloaded. And that can be really helpful. Thoughts, Mr. Braun? Mm. I don't do that music stuff, so I no know. Thoughts. Okay. All right. But you do. I do. I, I, you know, I thought you were a music. I mean, I, you, you like to listen to music. You're turning yeah, on to a lot of cool stuff. stuff. I know, but, you know, you just sync it manually yeah. to your phone or whatever. Um, no, not really. When I'm, when I'm in the car, I usually, uh, listen, uh, check this out. FM radio. All right. I like FM, I like FM radio. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. No, there's, Supp- there's nothing wrong with uh, it. Support, Weird. support our local DJs. WPLR. That's what I typically listen to. Yeah. Well, all right. I got some music for you, John. Ah, how's that? The end. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you can even broadcast that using FM radio. Uh, I am, well, I was going to say I'm, I'm allowed to because I actually own the rights to that song, or I co-own, I, I share the rights to that song in such a way that uh, I can do whatever I want with it, but uh, I don't own an FM broadcasting license, so it would have to be pirate However, radio. I do believe, no, 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 I, I do believe there is a provision for people to do low-power uh, FM transmissions. I guess that's true. On the edges of FM. I haven't yeah. heard much about it lately, but I think, uh, yeah, I don't think you have to go rogue. Um, but it's to, more uh, fun to go rogue, to that. man. That's the blast. Yeah. Or you could blast it out on 27 megahertz. I like, I like dancing I on the with. edge of danger, John. It's kind of like dancing on the edge of feedback. And Dave, you know, I'm pretty sure I heard you say a word that is near and dear to my heart because it's part of how you could get in touch with us if you want to send us questions, comments, tips, snacks, uh, network extenders, whatever. And that address, email address, Dave, is feedback at MacGeekab.com. It is. Feedback at MacGeekab.com is what what my good friend, Mr. F. Braun, John, said. And you're right. I said feedback at macgeekab.com and you said feedback but i'm gonna say geek back to you by saying 206-666-GEEK is the phone number you can call if you want to leave us a voicemail and john geek translates to in base 10 that's four three three five you like base 10 pick another way that people can find us my friend ah well, I find the most entertaining, Dave, and that is Twitter. Oh, it was so much fun being online, watching all you crazy people order your phones and making various commentary. 
I love it. I'm glad you turned me on to it. It was fun so, being up. Yeah. It was, um, you yeah. know, what, what, did, what was probably, it? John, John Martellero said in our, in our TMO Tower Slack room where we all were as, as this was happening, um, he said, uh, it, it's like midnight mass for those of us in a, uh, in a shared religion. The iPhone upgrade sickness. So I, I was, I, I thought that was, that was, I, I knew I would see the same cast of characters on right. Twitter doing the same crazy thing, which is why, why do you need to order this thing now? Can't you wait? Like, dude, me? we need to have it on, on, on day mm-hmm. one. We, if we got to be able to talk about it here, it's I know you're sickness. not going to order one. So I got to get up and order one. <laughs> I will eventually. Uh, like yeah, exactly. Although I, the one I wanted the uh, AT&T, whatever it is, 6S Plus, Space Gray, because uh, I like the black front of it. I actually like the back colors of other things, but no other phones have the black face. Um, that one was available at 9 a.m. when I woke back up to go to my son's hockey game or whatever. And a lot of them were, back, in fact, so I didn't need to get up at 3 a.m., but of course, my crystal ball was not not clear enough to, to inform me of that. It's true. Yeah. Find us on the Twitter. Tell them how to find us, please, John. I am John F. Braun. He is Dave Hamilton. The podcast is Mac Geekab. The publication is Mac Observer. All at twitter.com. It's true. All at twitter.com. I mentioned Cashfly during the show. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. I want to thank them profusely for continuing to provide the bandwidth that gets the show from us to you. Cashfly, you rock. In addition, Gazelle, you rock. Gazelle.com. We mentioned them during the show. That's the place to sell off your old iPhone. Go get a price now because it's good for 30 days, you know, and so you've got it locked in for when your new phone comes. You're good to go. You don't have to wait until people, you know, kind of dip off there and the price or more people sell and the prices start to dip off. Check them out. Gazelle.com. Of course, Casper at Casper.com slash MGG. Get yourself a good night's sleep before and after you've ordered your iPhone. MaxSales.com. Otherworld Computing. I'll say it right. Don't worry. Uh, that's the place to, to cater to your other sickness, which is that you love external hard drives as much as we do. Imazing.com slash MGG. That's where you're going to get. Uh, actually, it's Imazing.com coupon code MGG. You're going to get 20% off of Imazing. You're going to need that to uh, manage data on both your new and old iPhone. Smilesoftware.com slash geek is where you can get that 20% off through October 15th. All those discounts from those folks. Squarespace.com slash MGG, of course. And uh, coupon code MGG there gets you 10%. Lynda.com slash MGG. Yeah, 10 free days of their great videos. you got to check it out. It's the future of learning. And one of our favorite sponsors, Barebones Software at Barebones.com. Making great software for longer than we've been making great podcasts, I think. That's what I feel. Mr. F. Braun, you brought us into this show. Will you bring us out with uh, three? I'm going to I'm going to allude to Bob Marley here. I want three little words of advice. Uh, I'm going to give you three big words instead. (laughs) Yama little words. And they are don't get caught. Made up.